Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What's up, Vankas? Vankas, before we get into this episode with ESPN journalist Nate Saunders, we got a promo because we're doing a live show in New York City. We're doing a live show in New York City. The great, I don't know if you heard of it, the greatest city in the world. They need to do a Formula One race there at some point. But before they do a Formula One race in New York City, we're doing a live show at Chelsea Music Hall, March 2nd, Saturday at 7 p.m., doors at 6 Link will be in the description. Get your tickets. Don't be a freaking vanka. Be a rock star and come to our live show. What will we be discussing? What will we be discussing? We'll be discussing the Bahrain Grand Prix. We'll be discussing That's right. uh, uh, Lewis Hamilton going to, 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 to Ferrari. What All the things that have been happening this offseason, uh, everything that's been building up, how that's going to manifest on track. We'll actually get a sense of where everyone is come Saturday and you're going to be in New York. To fl- hey, if you don't live in New York, fly there and be at Chelsea Music Hall because it's the place to literally be. Um, also, link is in the description. Link is in the description. description. Don't be a fan. Don't be a vanka. Be a rock star. The tickets are going fast, and tickets we'll, are we going will physically be there. And we're gonna have signed. We're gonna have some signed posters. We printed out posters, so you better be there. And we'll be hanging. We'll be hanging. It'll be Saturday night. It's Saturday night, baby. It's Saturday I might night. relapse, honestly. Yes. Watch Matt piss his life away on Saturday, <laughs> March 2nd um, after the show. Also, people have been asking about this fantasy league. Everyone wants to do a fantasy league with the Vankas. Well, guess what? If you want to be a part of the Vankas Fantasy League, you got to join the Patreon, baby. Okay, so subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash trfpod, and you can be a part of our exclusive fantasy league okay um yeah we've already got some pretty great names in the fantasy league so if you're going to join the patreon and join the fantasy league come up with a fun name we'll read it on the pod there was one that was just called charles's charles's therapist (laughs) yeah there's some good ones on there's charles is always sad there's charles's therapist (laughs) charles baby check out to the moon yeah um. <laughs> yeah, there's some really uh, you know what? Because our fans ultimately are fucking funny. So these are these are some funny. Yeah. There's fake F1 team kick Sauber, pretty good. Um. <laughs> yeah, this is this is not your office league. This is going to be a fun league. Yeah, this is um. There's some fun stuff over here. In V Carb, we trust is one. Yes. Lewis's lower back tat. <laughs> it's a team Amazing name. Amazing <laughs> name. So get on the Patreon and and get a little freaky with it. Access your inner child and have some fun with us over there. So that's the deal there. We also have some new merch. It's fire. Go to our website. The link will also be in the description. 
And um, yeah, baby, 2024 season fast approaching. In the DRS, we're in the DRS zone of the 2024 season, and we have the great Nate Saunders on the pod to discuss all things testing and all things F1 2024. Oh, Vegas, we got to thank our daddies of the pod. We got to thank Kayla, Robin, Jordan Texera, Jay Lingle, Spencer Grieve, Javier Mera, Sheila Valeri, Chandler, Luana Galbeno, Ali Santana, Carla, Juarlo, Kimberly, Huelen, Alonso of my face, 69, Don Zanad, Jimmy, Stefano Dominicanti, Kimmy, sponsored by Mommy of the Pod, Hollister584, Live Lot, Cat, Future Dog Tour, Dion, Steph Grossi, JB Fresh, Laura, Emily Gillenwater, Cody Hull is my F1 daddy, Branch W, Keep Up the Signs Hate, Hunter Scruggs, Salmonella Mozzarella, I'm a LeClaire fan, and yes, it hurts, Jay Kess, Sigma Alonso for President, George Russell is evil, Peter Parker from Spider-Man 3, Matt Edwards is always right, I wish I was Max and Danny's love child, Delaney Andrews, Henry Kasky, Miles, Lewis Alexander, and the real Toto Wolf. Go to patreon.com slash drfpod to become a daddy of the pod. And also, if you win our Patreon Fantasy League, you will be an honorary daddy for one entire beautiful year. Okay, now back to the show. What's up, Vankers? Hello, Vankers. How is everybody doing? We're fucking almost there, baby. 2024, the greatest year in the history of Formula One is about to commence, and we're about to hear about all the specifics of just how great this season's about to be because testing happened, and we don't know what to make of it. I think Max Verstappen's going to get in last place this year, dude. I don't believe that. Anything is possible! Anything is possible right now, dude. Right now, this seed... It could grow into anything. It's 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 perfect. This is the this is the most beautiful time of the of of this Formula One season, and we have <laughs> we have a scientist on the pod today <laughs> to help us go over exactly what this season is going to become. We have author, podcaster, general editor of ESPN F1, and our only three time guest, friend of the pod, <laughs> Nate Saunders, on the pod. <laughs> hey guys, if you can just record that intro for me, I'm just going to replay that anytime I walk into a room, anytime I've got any kind of uh, any kind of commitment that I've got to attend. That was awesome and a great promo for the new season. I'm not sure how accurate it will turn out to be, um, but hey, I liked it. It was it was very Drive to Survive esque in the in the drama, the scale, and the kind of the maybe slightly fun but slightly wrong like uh, framing of, of everything that's going on. But I liked it. It was really good. Buxton esque, if you will. It was yeah. very bucks in it. Three times on the pod, I feel like that's that's yeah, I'm 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 pretty impressed. And I, I don't want to mess it up on the third uh, appearance. So thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. Yeah, well that remains to be seen. We'll see. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Reveal your sources. We we are in, you're in Bahrain right now. I am indeed. How, so you've been there, you've been in the paddock, we're gonna be asking you a bunch of stuff, but like what's been what's the over what what's been the vibe? How's it been? Well, it's funny that usually testing is kind of this, oh, like nothing's happened for two months. It's great to be back. But this year, because of the off-season we had, because of the fact that all hell broke loose in the off-season, everyone was kind of like, wow, I mean, this feels like it could be the middle of the year. You know, it was kind of, there's been so much to talk about. And usually you get to preseason and you're like, oh, let's start talking about the cars. But there's so much you know, going on around. Obviously, there's Lewis situation. There's you know, a lot of other situations in the paddock. Um and so yeah, it's just it's been it's been like a back to school feel, but it's feel, felt like everyone's spent summer camp with each other already. Uh, so you know, it, it's kind of a weird one. But yeah, it, it it I think 
from our perspective as well, everyone was hoping to see some cracks in the Red Bull armor. And then day one came along and kind of blew everyone out of the water a little bit. And then as the week went on, we were hoping to see anything in Red Bull's armor. And everyone you spoke to said that that wasn't the case. So it wasn't a deflating weekend as such, because I think we know Max and Red Bull are kind of the benchmark. But I was hoping we'd get a day where we're like, this is on, you know, this season is on. I was hoping we'd get a day that would effectively justify the promo you gave me and the season at the start of the show. Um, we haven't had that yet, but it's been fun. It's been, it's been a good start. So my, I got to ask, is everybody else just stupid? What, what's going on? Because <laughs> they did the cost cap. They did the wind yeah. tunnel stuff. They, they've, they've hired away countless of their employees. Dan Fallows, McLaren's just stolen tons of these guys. Why are <laughs> yeah. they? The, why can't they be killed? Or what is going on? What is happening here? No, you're, you're spot on. I mean, um, <laughs> I think Adrian Newey's already got that legendary status, but this season, if if that car is like the step ahead, I feel like he just, you know, it, I don't know what is above goat levels, but um, you're yeah. absolutely spot on. I, I, there's so much to get into with this. You guys are the kings at like introing a question. I love it. I need to. I need to learn that for myself. Um, I think honestly, the problem. This kind of highlights the problem with Formula One, where you do have all these brilliant people working in it, um, but until the regulations truly converge and everyone's had a long time working on the same cars, whoever has the advantage is already kind of. If you're walking, if you're on a hike together, Red Bull are kind of taking the same path as some of the other guys. They just happen to be a mile down the road. You know, and so they're speeding through a lot of the processes. Ferrari, McLaren, Aston, Mercedes, those guys spent a lot of last year actually just kind of, rather than developing the car as such, they were trying to find the baseline of the car. You know, they were trying to find, mm. right, we've got everything together. Now we can go in this direction. So I think we've seen that with all those cars. The problem is Red Bull have not only gone down the right road for a few years, Adrian Newey with his, you know, his enormous, you know, technical brain of his has been like, now we're going to go in this direction. And it's almost like they're a step that they're, they're like an evolutionary step ahead of everyone else. I don't know if you guys ever played like Age of Empires growing up, but when you went on those research trees and you just basically you'd you'd yes, you'd research yes. the wheel and then you could make a chariot and then you could make yes. then you could make yes. <laughs> chariots with archers. He's like right down the end on like the nuclear weapons and everyone else is still kind of figuring out <laughs> iron and stone and stuff. <laughs> and right. so like they're speeding through it, but he's just so far down the line that he everything he's doing is just quicker and quicker. So um yeah, it's it's it's. I think a lot of those guys in those other teams must feel like that. You know, they're incredibly smart guys. They're just they're not starting at a disadvantage because that suggests Red Bull kind of had a head start on them. But they right now they're kind of fighting an uphill battle to get back. But um, maybe and and when you're fighting against someone whose cars is being built by Adrian Newey as well, it kind of compounds the problem. I think like twofold. Is this a natural progression of the car, or is this just like, I mean, it's like a new baseline, it seems like. I mean, there's, it's, it's, it, the rumors are that they're going for a no side pod concept by Suzuka. Is that, is there mm. like truth to that? What are you hearing on that side of the, of the, and it are, <laughs> What's the Mercedes team feeling about this whole non sidepod development? <laughs> because I mean, right, right, because you were saying that Red Bull was on the right path and everybody else was on the wrong path. But basically, if 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 if, if the zero sidepod thing is true, then largely Mercedes was on the right path all along. <laughs> Red Bull was on a good path, 
but have now gone on to Mercedes's path and are and are beating them in their own on the path that they were on. It's a zigzag zig zag. Yeah, I mean, wherever Mike Elliott is right now, I'd love to, I'd love to talk to him. Yes, <laughs> just about like that. Does Does Mike Elliott need to come like return to Mercedes and start firing everybody? <laughs> Do you think, you know that meme of the Scooby-Doo when they take off the mask and it's the same guy? It's, it's like Mike Elliott, it's just Adrian Newey underneath. I don't know. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. So I'm I'm not one of the most technically minded journalists in the panic. Like I try and keep up, you know, like I have to with my job. But I sat with a few of the guys uh, in testing and I asked them this exact, some of the guys that really, you know, really know every dent, every, <laughs> every yeah. glance of a side pod. They know what it means and what it does. And I said the same thing to them. I said, surely they've just gone zero side pod. And it, on the surface, it looks like that. And I think that a lot of what is underneath the car is still the same concept and philosophy that Red Bull had. They're just packaging things in a, in a much different way. So I'm not sure it's completely them going the Mercedes way. What I think it's, it shows is there's a lot of convergence on these ideas. So you could be 50% right with a concept, but if you haven't got the other 50%, you're nowhere. And I think Mercedes had the germ of an idea there and it was like this could work but the rest of their car just didn't sync up with it they had the porpoising etc um but yeah i was asking the same question i was like so are we tell you telling me that mike elliott just needs another two years um but i think the issue the issue fundamentally <laughs> was that red bull red bull also knew and this is this is this speaks to the genius of adrian newey and and to be fair a lot of the guys that work underneath newey is that the worst thing you can do in your head is stand still. And I think everybody just assumed they would just build on the car they had. If you look at the other teams, they've all kind of converged around that that design. And Red Bull have said, we need to do something pretty revolutionary to stay ahead. They understand. And I think a lot of people in the paddock actually assume if this concept had been a disaster, it'd be interesting to wonder where, if Red Bull had to come back with the RB19 this year and be like, right, you know, disaster, let's race with last year's car. It might still be fairly competitive. So I think they've got that to... I'm not saying they would fall back on that or that's an actual game plan, but teams have done that in the past. They've said, we've got to go back to last year's car because we've just made a mistake. Um, and yeah, I think Max said on Thursday, he saw these plans, you know, these drawings last year that Adrian's been working on. So I think that there's been a really concerted effort to move on and say, this is what we have. And if we can incorporate some of these other bits in, then we're going to take that step forward. But yeah, that was what I was asking. I was like, does anyone have Mike Elliott's phone number? Because I want him to design the 2026 cars. Um, but apparently it's slightly, it's not quite as, as, as simple as that, but I, I wish I could give you a more sophisticated answer than that. But a lot of the guys in the paddock, they can talk for like 20 minutes on that and you feel like you're a genius at the end of the conversation. Um, and sadly, I'm, I'm not one of those when it comes to car design. Speaking of Mike Elliott, speaking of Mercedes, um, we're going to get back to testing, but I just have to ask, uh, Toto Wolf, uh, recently re-signed himself, um, for like a two year deal. Um, yeah. yeah, but, um, I don't know if Mercedes is looking that strong in testing. Um, uh, he, he did, I don't know if he made the best car this year. We we're not sure. Um, he lost the biggest driver of all time. How do you think Toto Wolf is feeling about signing himself right now? <laughs> well, I think he's, I think he, he, he can guarantee that he's not going to Ferrari at least, you know, he knows he's not, right. <laughs> he's not about to sign a yes. contract with Fred Vasseur or something like that. Yes. I feel like I feel like actually Toto's in quite an interesting position now because the whole mission with him and Lewis for this time has been let's go win that twenty twenty one title back, you know, in that we mm -hmm. that they feel they lost. And now you can kind of add to that of like, well now he wants to win it 
and Lewis is gone. So it's like a double. He's got like a bone to pick with Red Bull and he's almost like, I want to win it without Lewis. It's kind of, mm-hmm. yes. you know, I think a lot of these, a lot of these legacies, I mean, you look at it with like the Patriots and like the Bulls, a lot of people, it's like, well, he only won because of this guy. He only won because mm-hmm. of this guy. And I think Toto is probably one of those guys people will look at and say, well, he did have, he did have Lewis Hamilton driving, even though Rosberg won a championship too, which people will forget. I think mm-hmm. winning, being able to prove that he can build a team, a championship winning team without Lewis will actually be quite a, quite a fun challenge for him. But yeah, he's definitely, I think he's glad he signed that now because the board may well have looked at him after this and said, well, hang on, you know, what, like, like what's going on here? You know, the car's not good. You've just, Lewis has just walked out the door, you know, like on the eve of the season as well, like pretty rare in Formula One. Um, so yeah, I think to just answer specifically the question, I think he's feeling good that he did it when he did because, um, yeah. And this is the thing, isn't it? Which is, which is wild, is that I think Toto's game plan was re-sign everyone, a few-year deal. But it was kind of, I don't know if you guys felt the same, but felt like they'd based that around Lewis staying. It was like James Allison stayed, Toto stayed. They managed to get George Russell to stay for a little bit. And then, yeah, yeah suddenly he's in this situation where Lewis has gone. And suddenly, I think all the pressure this year... There's not really any pressure on Lewis, it feels like. He can just kind of, you know, right. he's basically got a year with a, a, a like, it's like he's just dumped his ex-girlfriend, but they're together for the year. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of weird, yeah. you know, it's a weird dynamic there. Whereas, you know, the pressure's on Mercedes to to prove they'll be fine without him, um, you know, beyond this. Is there like a, uh, a new energy around Toto? Is there like a different vibe around him? Or is he kind of just, is he is he his same kind of, you know, I know everything is good? Or is there like a, you know, <laughs> a new sense of like, no, I got a fucking, I, I have a new challenge in front of me. There's a new, you know, thing to chase here. Publicly, he's been the same. And he yeah. was very, you, I mean, you guys have got great impressions. I think yours, yours, Brian of Toto is always, uh, always one of the best ones um he he um has always had that kind of public facing thing hasn't he of it's always well you know me and lewis get on so well i respect everything he does and you know all of this we heard all of that this week and we've heard all of that since but i think the thing that toto you always know about toto is that fire is burning pretty deep within him and i've heard the people that work there you know they say that he you know he can be a very very passionate and he can be very very different to what you see on tv which i think is the hallmark of a lot of good leaders right so I think he's publicly has been the same, but I think he's probably more motivated coming into this season than he's been for a while. Because, as you said with the with the last question, it's just it, it. He's the one who's kind of got the egg on his face at the moment, and you know whether it's Horner or now it's Fred Vasseur, both of them have kind of got one over on him over the past few years, and that can't be a nice feeling. So yeah, I think um, I think we'll see more of that as well. I don't know if you guys feel the same, but I feel like the more into the season we get, if there's any contentious moment where Lewis wants a better strategy or something. That tote, that nice, friendly Toto that we get towards Lewis, I think we're going to see that kind of shift around a bit, and I'm actually kind of excited to see it because you know it, we haven't seen it for a long time. So, um, so yeah. How is George feeling about all this? Is he feeling excellent? Is he? Have you noticed an extra pep in his step, <laughs> a glint in his eye? A little bit, I've got to say. Yeah, there's there's something there, I think, and I think this is this is the moment George has been waiting for for a while. You know, he's like, I'm the big dog at this team. I want to be the big dog at this team. I want to lead it. And every driver thinks they're better than the guy next to them, don't they, in the same car? And Russell, I think he's he's been okay against Lewis, but he's not like comprehensively beaten him. So I think he's coming to this year now and he's like, and also if you're George Russell now, you're in a situation where if, if Mercedes is able to kind of get itself back into the mix, you can basically play the trump card in every, you're like, well, I've got to get the better strategy, guys. 
I'm the guy right. staying around. I'm the yeah. guy who's here. Like, oh, we've got one wing, have we? One new front wing? Like, well, that should go to me. You can't give it to the you can't give it to the deserter. Like he's right. he's off soon. Like, why are you giving it to so I think that energy we'll see from him a lot more. And I think that that is something that drivers they love that when they know the team kind of has to favor them just because of the situation and favor is always the wrong word because like genuinely, I think Mercedes, if they're in a winning situation, they're going to try and win the race. Um, but yeah, if it's a contentious close call, he's, he's given he's got himself an edge there now. And, um, and yeah, it's just a, it's just a great moment for him to kind of step up, I think into that, into that next level. He seems like he's, uh, you know, he's talked in, in interviews this week around that he's spent a lot of time with Toto, that he and Toto spent a lot of the off season hanging out and that, you know, there's an involvement about who's going to be Lewis's replacement. Now, there's the Kimi Antonelli mm. situation. There's the Kimi Antonelli of it all. Um, they have him as part of the junior program. There's a world we think now we're just, you know armchair experts here but like if if Antonelli dominates F2 there's a chance that maybe they just throw him straight into the Mercedes seat so that no one steals him but then the other option to us it seems like is Fernando Alonso and we know that Fernando Alonso and George Russell have become like besties recently playing ping pong on private planes and spending New Year's together multiple years in a row what can you tell us around the rumor mill around you know that second seat at Mercedes yeah, so on on Antonelli on Kimi, mm-hmm. uh, who I mean I think deserves a seat purely because he's got the name Kimi, which I love. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think I think you're right. I think you're right, Brian. I think that if um, if he has an amazing season, it's going to be really difficult for Mercedes to to turn that down. Because as funny as it sounds, the Piastri saga, I think that's changed the driver market and the way teams treat their younger drivers now. There's such a fear of losing talented drivers and Kimi Antonelli I remember hearing that name about three or four years ago and it's a name just because you know it's Kimi in it I remember hearing it and being like okay and people were like this kid's really special Mercedes signed him I think he was 13 when they signed him um they've thought he's going to be a, a, a megastar for a long time so the, the the risk of losing him I mean probably the other option you can go for is that maybe you know with the James Vowles connection maybe you give him a year at Williams first but right you, you see that that happens sometimes and you know, the, the opportunity just never comes up. There will never be a better opportunity for Kimi Antonelli because if you sign a new driver, you assume that's a two-year deal at least, you know, then maybe he impresses and you're like, oh, actually, you know, if it's Albon or if maybe Alonso, the age thing would play into it. But yeah, sometimes the here and now is the time to do it. And just as a, as a side note to that, one of Toto's big biggest regrets, I think, is, and there's a fascinating story to all this, which we can go into on a on my fourth appearance on the pod, if that if that day ever does come. <laughs> Um, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm already inviting myself on, guys. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in 2014, when when Max Verstappen was kind of like the guy that everyone wanted, it was Mercedes and Red Bull who were going for him. And Toto Wolff was basically like, oh, well, look, we'll bring you in as as reserve driver for Mercedes. And Helmut Marko said, no, you can go to Toro Rosso. And Toto was like, oh, well, maybe we can bring you in as test driver and you can get a few Fridays. And he couldn't offer that seat to to Max. And ultimately the Toro Rosso seat was what was able, I think was the was the big thing. You know, Toto will have been thinking would have regretted that losing Max, obviously, for, you know, that whole time. You know, he could have built that super team, Lewis and Lewis and Max, which would have just been ridiculous to have together. So I think that if the Kimmy situation is there, I think he'll put him in. On on Alonso, and I know that you guys love an Alonso anecdote. Um mm-hmm. 
I kind of have one from Thursday. Yes, yes. I know it's not as good as the Zandvoort one, but I'm going to try and okay, spice right. it up a little bit. Uh, so on Thursday, we had a press conference. It was George Russell sat in the middle, and he had Albon to one side, and he had Alonso on his other side. Two of his, you know, one of his very good mates from childhood in Albon, and like you guys say, this kind of new friend in, uh, in Fernando. And people were trying to get out of Alonso and Russell something on this topic and they kept people said you know george who's called you in the last few days Because he mentioned he'd had a few messages from drivers after the lewis news and fernando alonso sat there and i can't i can't sit as still as he sat or as expressionless as he sat during that question and during george's answer because he knew every single journalist and every single camera in there was looking at him like if fernando alonso smirks here we know he's been messaging george russell like get me that seat and he was just <laughs> He was just like stone, and you can probably you can probably go watch it from the because um, those mm. those press conferences are televised. But I asked all the journalists when I left, I was like, "Were you just st- were you just?" And they literally, without me even finishing, were like staring at Alonso. Yeah, 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 absolutely. We were just like st- <laughs> staring him down, and he was just like looking back, just emotionless. Um, and I just thought that was quite funny because he knew he knew that that you know a smirk, a wink, a nod that changes the dynamic around that conversation for the next few weeks and he actually every time he's been asked about the mercedes situation he hasn't even entertained it he said i answered it at the launch i'm not you know i'm happy where i am not talking about it which is interesting because usually he likes to be you know he likes to play with those situations he likes to be a bit playful with it right well his manager his manager's doing it for him his manager's taking picks at Exactly. lunch with uh with with toto and monaco so you know he's got flavio doing his bidding for him in that way yeah. <laughs> and he also recently said something cheeky which is um he was like every every world drivers champion has like all every world drivers champion has been signed to a long-term deal except me which is like <laughs> his way of kind yeah. of saying i'm on the market yeah, yeah. yeah. you know yeah he also said at that same press conference, I think Russell said something about, you know, we've got to work in the budget cap to catch Red Bull. And he said, and it showed you that Fernando Alonso doesn't quite understand the budget cap because Lewis's <laughs> uh, wage would have been exempt from it. But he said, well, you do, your team has been spending $200 million on a driver a season, you know, like, like, you know, <laughs> like jokingly to him. And everyone was like, ha ha ha. He's still, when it wasn't about, will he replace Lewis? He was still on the usual form with it. So he's still doing it. So yeah. for me, the fact that Alonso is being uncharacteristically, an Alonso makes me think that mm-hmm. there's something going on. You know, if he was being his normal mm-hmm. self, I'm like, okay, this is all the usual bravado. The fact that he's actually like trying not to make a scene about it makes me think that, you know, there's something there. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of, right, it's yeah. like he's being too weird. It's being too weird about it. You're becoming Wallace Shawn in <laughs> Princess Bride where you're like, <laughs> Do you know that I yeah. know the exact? Yeah, exa- that's what you're doing right. Yeah, now. it's a, it's it's a, a poker tell. The poker the, Alonso's poker tell is that he's acting normally. That's the way when you yeah, know exactly. something's going on. Is that he's not acting like a yeah. fucking psycho. <laughs> um, yeah, he'd be the worst at mafia. Yeah, yeah. Fernando would never have been a good poker player, and I think this is yeah. if if <laughs> if my theory is correct, then it would it would prove that out. Um. So we were talking about, you know, the vibe of the paddock. We were talking about Toto's attitude that he's kind of like business as usual, but then behind the scenes there's whatever. What's the vibe of Fred Vassour in the paddock? Because is he just walking around like, yeah, my shit don't stink. I'm basically the greatest thing that's ever existed. I mean, that, <laughs> he, is he big man on campus? I mean, he's he's a tiny guy. And Toto's this big, looming, six foot, whatever. But he, but Fred right now is looking like an eight hundred pound gorilla. Is he like? Is he walking around with that type of swag? 
the thing with Fred is he's so unassuming that I yeah. think that for yes. him, swag, you wouldn't even notice it. It's kind of, you know what I mean? He's, mm. he's probably feeling like that, but he probably doesn't know how to show it. He's quite, a, he's quite like what you see is what you get with Fred. But there's been a few moments where Toto was asked, so they were in the same team boss's press conference. Um, and Toto kept getting asked about Lewis and, you know, when did you, when did you first hear and stuff? And you could just see Fred with, Fred's got that incredible kind of smirk that he can do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, (laughs) and you just, you just got that impression from Fred the whole time. And the fact that Lewis, Lewis then said, didn't he yesterday? He said, without Fred, this wouldn't have happened. I mean, Fred Vasseur could basically write out the terms of his next contract (laughs) with that quote at the top of it and say, this is what I want. You know, because right, that is, right. as driver coups go, that is, we've not seen anything as big as that. And um, yeah, I think, and the fact as well that Ferrari have kind of made a clear step forward on track as well. Fred Vasseur right now, I think is kind of, if, if you had a power rankings of team bosses, he's yeah. far and away number one, far and away number because one. Because it wasn't a heralded, like when Mattia Bonotto was fired and he was hired, everyone was like, didn't, wasn't really, sh- like it was a meet, it was a meh hiring because that was a controversial firing and i and i remember our introduction to him was obviously through drive to survive he was he he worked at sauber he was always the like the this the the rap on him his narrative was he was always the bridesmaid never the bride he got to shepherd (laughs) these young kids like and watch them leave him he was like the guy that you dated before you got married that was him <laughs> yeah and now yeah, yeah. finally he's the bride and it feels i mean he was so low status that like we interviewed him two years ago yeah right like, right like that's <laughs> how cr- on our iphones nobody watched it yeah <laughs> on our iphones like like that's how that's how nobody that's how little people gave a fuck about him and yeah. now it's crazy to see well I've got a story on that for, from, I won't name the driver just because it, it sounds like a dick move um, for, on their part. But in Vegas, there was this giant sign on the walk into the paddock from, a, I forget the name of the hotel, but it said, it was like Thursday night Q&A with Fred Vasseur. And I was chatting with this driver <laughs> and we were just talking about, we we're just talking about it. The fact that I, I said, you know, I, I think it was something like we're, I'm staying at this place. And I was like, oh, are you by the, are you by that giant place that where Fred, he was like, yeah, you mean the, the can't miss event, Fred Vasseur Q and A. You're like, and he was kidding. <laughs> he was like, can you imagine being at that? And I was like, yeah. I mean, it's not. It's you know, I wouldn't go to it myself. But now I'd be like, I actually, I bloody would want to go to that. Like that sounds. The guy, I think, is low key. He's got that kind of Game of Thrones kind of don't underestimate this character kind of vibe to him. You know yeah. what I mean? Like a character yeah, that yeah. is kind of there in season one, two, three, four. And then the five, suddenly it's like, oh, he's actually ruler of the five kingdoms and he's he's just going to kill everyone around him. You know, and everyone you thought was the main character is actually just going to yes. be like under the foot yes. of Fred Vasseur for the rest of the series. Nate, have you ever shaken his hand? Um, I don't know. If, I think I have once. Um, But it, has he got a particularly weak handshake or is it a strong handshake? No, he almost oh, broke no. my hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, I was like, holy shit. Nate, can you rank handshakes? <laughs> well, I was going to say Lewis's Lewis's handshake. Lewis's handshake is similar. So Lewis, when really? when my I think it was my first race in the paddock um, was Sochi, or my second race actually, Sochi twenty sixteen. I was part of a roundtable with Lewis, and he hadn't met me before, and two other journalists. So we kind of shook our hands, and he shook my hand so hard, I like looked at the other two, and I was like, ah. Oh. And for the rest of the interview, I was like, that was the hardest. Like, wasn't like. <laughs> 
mean. It was just I hadn't expected it from a an F one driver, and it just was so. Right. And he like looked at like clamped on and looked at me like straight in the eyes, and I was like, oh wow, okay. Um, <laughs> drivers tend to drivers tend to have pretty good handshakes. I don't know whether it's just because the nature of you've kind of got to put that that um, uh, that look on, haven't you? Of of, of always being kind of i don't know if it's a macho thing i don't know if it's kind of like if i'm meeting like if i'm meeting fred vasseur if i am meeting the president of ferrari you want to have a good handshake because right. a lot of people they remember like you said there, like matt they, they remember the handshake don't they before before anything else so i'm trying to think if there's been any particularly bad ones i can't think of it so that probably speaks to the fact there aren't any super bad handshakes in formula one um i feel like lance stroll would give a disinterested handshake yeah, I'm sure. I feel like Lance Stroll would kind of give a weak handshake. He wouldn't maybe look. He'd, he'd, he'd look you in the eye for like a second. And he's like, all right, can, can, can I can I go snowboarding so I can be happy, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can I, can I get out of here, please? I feel like I feel like George Russell would kind of pull you. I feel like George Russell, he's so long. I he, feel would like he would do the Trump pull. He would do the Trump yeah, pull. Yeah, like the pull in like, and out. The yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think if they're... Like I feel like I feel like out of all of them, I don't think I've shaken Max's hand. I'd love to know what Max's handshake is like because I feel like it'd just be like, "Yeah, cool. What are you doing?" Like I don't think of all the people who yeah. wouldn't care about what their handshake is like. I feel right. like Max is that guy. He just wouldn't. I don't think it would be a good handshake. Yeah. No, and he wouldn't care. Like he's not going to be like, "Oh, that you know." He's like, "I don't care if you don't like my handshake. Like, you know, yeah. whatever. Like, <laughs> I'm. It's not what I'm about." Although his eye contact when we did interview him once was the most intense thing. I've ever experienced in my life, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you've experienced that. He did look into the depths of my soul and said, so what are we doing today? What, what, are, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing with my time to, this afternoon? <laughs> yeah, and honestly, Max is like that. And sometimes if you're in a round, like a, one of our roundtable sessions with him, sometimes yeah. you can start asking a question and Max can look at you like so intently, you can almost, you lose if you lose the kind of the train of your question, you're suddenly like, Oh man. Um, cause you, cause it just feels like he's glaring at you and he might not be, he's either just trying to listen yeah. or he's just focusing, but that's happened right, to right. me on a number, a number of occasions with Max. And I'm just like, uh, and you have to kind of, you know, look around the room just to kind of be like, what was, what was the question? Like, what, what am I, what am I saying here? And why is Max looking at me like that now? Like, what have I said? Like, yeah. have I said something wrong? Um, so yeah, he's like that. And, um, yeah, and it's it's actually interesting. And like to go back to Alonso, he he's quite he's one for he will look around the room quite a lot, and he does still look at you, but he will look at you when he's kind of you know the point Alonso is trying to make because that's the moment when he gives you the eye contact. He'll he'll talk like this and kind of look around, and then the moment he kind of looks up at you, you're like, this is kind of where the question has been leading to is kind of this point. I've always found that maybe not so much on TV, but if you're in a in a huddle with him, that's kind of where that goes. Right. Mm. Speaking of the kind of the vibe of the paddock, the temperature of the paddock, is there just a glaring hole now that Gunter Steiner has been fired from Haas? I mean, what <laughs> is what is the effect of a paddock sans Gunter Steiner? It was weird. We went down to Haas on the first day, and usually Gunther's there in some point. I mean, you know, if I'm if I'm there, I usually try and get a coffee at the Haas. Like all the all the hospitalities have like a a bar area that you can just get a drink yeah. from. If you ever sees a journalist there, he will basically just give you shit. He'll be like, "Oh, look, freeloading journalists coming down, you know, stealing our coffee." <laughs> like that's his thing. He's right, and you know, 
Ayo Komatsu is not going to do that to me because I, you know, I don't know him in the same way, but he'll just be like, oh, you know, morning, how you doing? And I'm like, no, that's no right. fun. You know, I want, I want yeah. to drink this coffee knowing that I kind of, st- like, I kind of stole it almost, you know, from, from the, from the hospitality. <laughs> from the fletchling company that is Haas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, so you miss that. And honestly, um, it, it's one of those things, actually, the paddock is such a big place that you kind of, you know, you can, you can miss not having that character around. I think where you, where you start to realize it is, I think, as the season goes on, when there's less of those sound bites going around. I know he's going to do some TV this year. Um, but I think we'll really miss him when it comes, especially because Haas are probably going to have a fairly anonymous season. I feel like having that personality for them is a good thing because he can kind of, he can keep them relevant, keep them, keep them kind of in the headlines and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, for me personally, it's just, it's kind of just him heckling. Like sometimes I meet like, like Lawrence Barreto from F1, we usually meet down at house. We have a good friend at the team. And if we saw Gunther Steiner down there, we'd be like, he'd be like, oh, here you go. We, <laughs> like we're, we're, we're in for it. And I always enjoyed that. And it was always good natured. And, you know, then we'd sit and you'd just talk. That's, you know, you talk, talk a lot of F1 stuff then. So don't miss that. And yeah, I think, I think as the season goes on, we're going to see, um, see a bit of that gap. But I, I don't know too much about Kamatsu either. So I'm, I'm curious to see what he's like. Well, I'm curious what, what your thoughts are, what, what the kind of, you know, Paddock's thoughts are on like what Haas is doing because it's like they fired Gunter, but then mm. they haven't brought in anyone new. They've just promoted Komatsu, who yep. was already running the technical stuff. So now he has to wear two hats as opposed to just one. So and it what it seems like with the testing is that they're going to be in plum last. And, and Gene insists that he's not selling. You know there are reports that like there were outside investors that wanted to come in and wanted to be a part of it, and Gene said no. That Gene likes his little business as it's running right now, and that he doesn't see any problem why they can't, you know, develop further or spend more money, and that it's like a money making enterprise for him. There's also like the Andretti thing. People are saying, well, why the fuck is, can't can't Andretti be in if Haas is in? I know Gene says that like he doesn't want to sell, but it seems like this that would be the way that a Andretti would get in would be to buy a Haas. And if the, if this Haas team continues to be at the rear and they don't have a Gunter Steiner bringing in the dollars with branding for them, what's 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 the vibe? What's the temperature? So I think the all of that stuff is spot on. I think you know in terms of in terms of the questions that have been around the team. Yeah. To start off with Komatsu. I've actually been quite impressed over the last three days. I was, I'll be honest with you, I was kind of expecting to get to Bahrain and kind of go down to Haas and it'd be a kind of a team in complete turmoil, like everyone like, oh, I don't know what's going on. But to Komatsu's credit, it seems like he's, he's, he's not shaken things up hugely, you know, since he took over and since they had the restructure. He's said, right, we know, we know we're not in a great position. You know, he's set expectations right at the bottom of where they can be. And from I think they completed the most laps of any team, so they had a productive test from that sense. There wasn't anything major that like held them up. And those small things can be really important when you're just starting out, especially when you're following on from someone like Gunther. Um I think the big the big thing for Haas generally is gonna be when they bring in a COO, um, which is kind of Haas's game plan like post Steiner is like Komatsu can just run the team and focus focus in on that technical side. And then, and then the commercial stuff can be dealt with with this person. I think the the the, the guy they bring in there is going to be huge, you know, in terms of in terms of leading that team into that into that next uh, next step. I don't. I whenever I ask about it, people have to say we're not selling. Like we're never going to sell to Andretti. Yeah. But it it seems like a tangible option because, like everything you said there, Brian. You know, if 
you can only you can only do what House have been doing for so long before you're just like, well, what is the point in this? What is the is the investment worth it? Especially at a time when you can make so much money to get out of the situation. So right. I think Komatsu, Komatsu the, the good thing for him is his success won't really be judged on Haas's kind of all that external stuff. He can just kind of get into the nitty gritty of the, the car. And I think he's actually been smart by saying we'll be last. I think I can't remember his quote in the press release for the, the start of the team season, but like people jumped on it. They were like, this guy basically was like, yeah, we're going to be last for the foreseeable future. And I actually yeah. thought that was kind of smart because he was like, look, let's be honest. This is where we are. Um, but we're going to, we're going to build from it. And you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, under under promise and hopefully for him over deliver but we'll right, see the right, first right. the first like the first major upgrade they bring will be key because they got last year's one so wrong if he can get that right i think he can kind of point to it and be like well look you know under gunther we didn't have the right direction there under me we're kind of going in this right direction so i think everything is kind of focused on on getting that right right now it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But, but Nate, Nate, he he's the one that's been building the car all these years. You're saying <laughs> right. you're saying yeah. he'll finally get to fo- he'll be when they, when they get a COO, Komatsu will get to focus on the technical side. You mean when he was chief technical officer? <laughs> you think Gunther was sitting there drawing the car? No, Gunther was out there giving sound bites, giving publicity, getting fucking sponsors, keeping the fucking lights on. That's what he was doing. Am I? Hmm. Am I? Why am why are we the only people saying this? It doesn't seem like it's just you it just seems like they got rid of Gunther to me. It doesn't seem like they've added anything. Yeah. Everyone's like, whoa, let's see what Kamatsu can do. He's just he's gonna keep doing what he's always been doing. Building a shitty car with shitty resources. Yeah. Am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. And I don't want to give the impression that I'm just saying, oh, everything will be great under Kamatsu. But I think you're uh, the thing with Gunther is, in terms of, is that an additive decision? It's definitely not. You know, Haas is definitely weaker off, much weaker off uh, with Steiner. And and I remember when MoneyGram came in to Formula One as the title partner of um, of Haas in late 22, I want to say that was. Maybe maybe I've got my timeline wrong. But about half of that press conference with the, the CEO of MoneyGram, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head, 
it was half the questions were about Gunther. It wasn't about Formula right. One or about anything else. Right. And that's not going to happen anytime soon with, with Ayo Komatsu, so you're completely right. I think that what the feeling within some people within the team has been is that ultimately Komatsu has been, uh, like Steiner was, has been hampered by the budget, you know, the the, the realities right. of that. And I think he, Komatsu and Steiner would clash on a lot of things. Steiner was like, well, why can't we... Why can't we go in this direction? Why can't you know? Why is this upgrade not working? Mm. And Komatsu's issues are issues that Steiner was having with finances. But you guys know how it is when you're at an employee. You're you think you're the only one having problems. Your boss is there, like, well, I'm having the same problems as you. I'm actually having to deal with it above. So I've always tried to give Komatsu the benefit of the doubt because I think fundamentally the issue with Haas isn't Komatsu. It isn't Steiner. I think it's the investment that's coming down. I think both. Yeah. Komatsu and Steiner struggle with that. So that's that's more the point I'm making. I think that ultimately Komatsu is probably going to struggle to succeed because Gene Haas has already said, I don't right. want to invest more money in the team. And that right. wasn't going to change with Steiner there. It's not going to change with Komatsu there. This COO might come in and say, the terms of me joining are you have to bring in some investment. Like Gene might change his mind and be like, okay, well, I'll do a bit. And that, I think, so that's why I mean that hire, I think, will be more important to Haas's long-term future than anything that Komatsu does. Because um, I think I think for the next two years, Haas will be at the back of the pack. Like, there's no, they're not going to leap forward anytime soon. Like, that is the role that they're in right now. Um, but the, the kind of, the fight for their future isn't going to involve Komatsu. And right. yeah, the Carmo will be bad again, but, um, and I think you're right. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to be a, a Komatsu apologist here if I'm coming across like that. Um, because ultimately, you know, you are judged on those things. But I just feel like everyone at that team is kind of fighting with one hand behind their back in terms of mm-hmm. actually trying to make any progress. It's not really a slight against Kamatsu. It's just like he, I mean, he's not going to do any different than he has been doing before, which is, you know, building a, I, I, I beat this to, I beat this to death. And I just think that, you know, short of hiring Taylor Swift as COO, they're not going to do better as a, for a figurehead than good, yeah. and for sponsorships than Gunther Steiner. They're just right. not. Anyway. Let's get back a little bit into, like, what happened on track this week. You said, you know, like, Haas did get, like, the most, you know, as more laps than any other team. They were able to kind of, like, do that race pace kind of thing. Who who did well this week? Who struggled this week? Um, we want to get into a bit of V-Carb because they're looking strong. Like, how strong are they actually mm. looking? And then of, like, the top four, you know, the the early reports now are that, like, Ferrari is really the closest to Red Bull at the moment. And that there's a little bit, like, you know, the Aston, Mercedes, and, and McLaren are still a little bit maybe not fully on on both their feet yet. So what's, what's the kind of um, overview of, of how everyone's done this week? Yeah, I think that's about right. I think the consensus for me with people I spoke to was Red Bull out in front. Ferrari looks like the strongest of that chasing pack. And then it's hard to place McLaren, Mercedes, and Aston. You talk to different people, they might put those guys in a different order. And this is where testing is actually quite interesting because if you look at the outright lap times that were set, it's a really muddled picture. But it's probably the first time I've ever been to testing where everyone you talk to is just like, nah, the team out in front's way ahead. And you're like, okay, I can't really see it. You know, even when you look into the, the race sims, you're like, okay, it looks fairly similar to Ferrari. Like, you know, and, and a lot of people say, well, it was Perez. It was a different time of day. The big thing for Ferrari, and I think this is where, if, if there's any shred of hope for the season, is that clearly, while Charles Leclerc and 
neither Sean Leclerc or Carlos Sainz look like two guys who are gearing up for a, a world championship fight. You can tell when a driver thinks like, I can win the championship this year. Neither of those guys gave me that vibe. But they have both said the car is much easier to drive this year than it was last year. And they spent so long last year complaining about the way that car behaved. And, you know, to put that just into the most simple terms possible, you know, if 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 you're struggling to drive the car, you're having to set up the car around that. You you can't add you can't keep adding downforce to the car because the driver's like, well, I can't drive the thing anyway. Like I can't like we can't improve right. the car too much because it's going to take it further away from me. So the fact that their feedback was the car's quick and much much easier to drive. All the complaints we had last year are gone. That's why Ferrari seemed to be in a really strong position relative to those other three cars in that chasing pack. I think the first few races will decide will tell us really are they just leading that pack or are they actually kind of closer to Red Bull than maybe we thought? I hope they are. But honestly, I mean, everyone you spoke to were just like, no, Red Bull, Red Bull out in front. I mean, Fernando, you know, Fernando said there's me and 18 other guys. No, we're not going to win the championship this year, which was, you know, which may be just Fernando being dramatic, but it did feel like that leaving like, okay, it's just another max year. And I think most people I spoke to kind of said, if anyone's going to, going to challenge this year in a meaningful way, then it will be Ferrari. So, you know, touch wood that is the case and um and and then who do you think if you had to gun your head who do you think's after ferrari um i think third honestly honestly right now i think mercedes then mclaren i think is super tight but mercedes had an interesting winter because they they came in their, their car design is really interesting if you talk to other mechanics and other engineers uh over testing that was a car everyone was going back to. That and the Aston Martin, actually, people were saying the design of that is really interesting. And I just, I, I feel like, I think McLaren are probably just happy to be in that in that group again, given where they were 12 months ago. Um, and yeah, from, I think the, the the ESPN rankings piece we're putting up tomorrow has McLaren third. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick to the company line. But that's purely, I think that the thing with that group is going to be, a, a driver mistake, a slight mistake with your tire strategy, a slight whatever it is, is could knock you from challenge of a third or second on the grid right down to about eighth or ninth. You know, it could be that tight in that group that it choosing it is literally just like you could you could you could even rearrange, you could even put Ferrari down there and move the other guys up and it might be accurate. It's it that was the vibe you got was separating those teams is is next to impossible because they could literally all be on the same exactly the same performance level, which is quite rare, actually, that that happens with two teams, let alone with three or four. So right. um, I would stick Mercedes above, but it's literally, it's like a 60-40 thing for me. It, it could be McLaren, and you could make that argument pretty easily. All right, the fans want to know, I want to know, I got I to gotta ask you about this. It's, a, it's slightly rhetorical, but, you know, when someone hits a manhole cover in Vegas, it's it's unforgivable, inexcusable, the worst thing that's ever happened. Pearl clutching. How how horrible is this that, that Carlos Sainz had one misfortune in his lucky ass life? Um but, yeah. but Leclerc hits a manhole cover. This is why we don't do street races. Street races yes, are bullshit. We need you. to be at we need to be at purpose built tracks where drain covers yes. don't come loose. Yes. And then and then Poor Charles Leclerc, who's not who's had nothing but but fucking storm clouds over him for his entire fucking life, runs over a drain, a manhole cover in Bahrain, and nobody says fucking dick. No, well, you know it happens sometimes. What can you explain that to me? 
Can you explain why it happens in Vegas? And everyone's like, Bruh. and by the way, that's their first time doing this thing. Whereas right. Bahrain, they've been going there for years. They, you know, they should have tightened everything up, ironed out all the kinks, and this shit fucking happens. And um, yeah, can you explain that to me? Can you explain why Toto has to fucking defend the, 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 the Vegas GP with his life? And Bahrain, they're like, eh, you know, shit happens. Can you explain that to me? <laughs> I love this. I, I, I that's like that is the clip you've got to put out just for the like the Vegas GP guys will love that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, your response is gonna be cut from this. That's all that we. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You, you guys can come in. That's the that's the box office. Yeah. That's the box office. Um, yeah. Let's see. I think that's a fair point, and I think that it, it speaks to a. I think there is a narrative, isn't there? Whenever something is a big hyped event, whether it's a team, whether it's like, this is going to be the greatest thing that you've ever seen. As soon as there's like a pimple that you can find on it, you're like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. Like, this is, this is terrible. And Vegas felt like that to a lot of people. It felt like, you know, Formula One was like building this as the, like the greatest race that has ever happened. And actually, and it was, yeah, it was, it was the best race of last year without a doubt. And actually as a spectacle was pretty amazing. (laughs) Easily, yeah. like, like, like yeah. in a different league to the rest. That's um, just journalistically true. Yeah, and and like, I've got a you know being there on the ground in Vegas. Um, I kind of got sucked up in that. I was like, well, how has this happened? Like, you know, this is meant to be the greatest circuit that we've ever seen built. And the problem, the problem when you come to Bahrain is you've got a test event. Effectively, I think if that had happened, if that had happened next week or if it does happen next week in fr- on friday practice but it happened in vegas in free practice it happened in free practice yeah, we're talking about practice what... here we're talking about practice no what the, it, talks about the, it happened on third it happened on fucking thursday can i just say it's so fucking and i nate i know you're of this of this ilk but it's so fucking british to just yeah, want to see someone see someone trying and see someone putting an effort into something and just being like, "Nah, I've got to take, got to knock you down a few pegs." Honestly, the 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 British side of it, I think, might you might well be onto something because when I spoke to people in F one after that, they said the British media were going crazy on that. The Dutch journalists in Vegas were like, "It's a loose cover, dude. Like it's exactly what you're right. <laughs> exactly what you're saying." Like, they're like, yeah. they're like, it happens. Like it's a street circuit. What are you expecting? Everything will be fine. Like you know, the Dutch <laughs> just being very Dutch about everything, just being like, yeah, right, well, you right, know, right. whatever. Like as long as the race is cool. Whereas, so I think there was a lot of that, and because it was like it was the big shiny new race, it was like the the bigger. You know, there's a lot of I think in the British press especially, and and generally there's that European vibe of like, well, we don't want too many races in America. It was just an easy opportunity to kind of hit Vegas with. So that that came out was Bahrain as well. Like it's kind of like you've got this endless, almost endless day of testing, and you're like, okay, there's not an act. We're not going to run for an hour, and then they just remove the lunch break, and it's like they're only actually. I think they lost about thirty minutes accumulatively. I might be wrong. Um, so still a real pain in the ass for the for the teams and the drivers. But just if you're looking at it from a, a story point of view, nowhere near as sexy. You know, preseason testing right. slightly delayed right. by, by by like five percent of the allotted time because of a drain cover right. versus yeah. right. the race no one stopped talking about for nine months is is potentially curtailed by a drain. And then the thing with Vegas was they then they then had that follow up with the fans, which I think really yes. is what sure, everyone hinged sure. on. It was like, come right. on, like they're already spending a ton of money on this race and yes, you can't even right, refund right, people. Right, 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 so there was that right. part of it as well. But um but yeah, I can see the I can see the epoxy argument for sure. But um the other thing that I want to say about like f- outrage and you know how we get mad about this and not that. The other thing I want to ask is thing you didn't probably notice this as much as we did watching at home, but F1 has just decided 
to call Visa Cash App Racing Bulls. They're just calling them RB. And Steak F1 kicked yeah. Sauber. Fuck all that. You're just Sauber. Like, why, why, why is the Alfa Romeo badge, which is just a fucking corporate sponsor badge, why were they cool? Like, why, are, why is F1 like now just editorializing, picking and choosing what names are okay and what names are not okay? Can you explain this to me? Because yeah. RB is a terrible name. I would yeah, rather yeah. it be V-Car because they, they say, oh, those RBs look quick. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Are you talking about the Red Bull? Are you talking about like, like they think they're, they thought they did something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Can you yeah, explain yeah. this whole, all this bullshit to me? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So we, we had, we, we've had the same style guide at ESPN. We will, you know, we'll be calling, and this is where this is funny uh, to a lot of people. We will be calling steak Sauber. So you'll see that on the website this year. And you'll see RB. Now we've had a lot of discussions about Why? that for that exact reason. The and I actually I agree with this 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 logic. When Alfa Romeo came and they bought the team, the everything was called Alfa Romeo. The car the car chassis was called the C whatever, which has always been what Sauber's called. But everything else was called Alfa Romeo. So it wasn't actually Alfa Romeo Sauber. If you looked at it, it was just everything's Alfa Romeo. The Sauber was the 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 company name. So like the the kind of the legal entity of the team was still Sauber, but that's not anywhere on the on the entry list. If you look at where uh, VCarb is, where Visa Cash App are, they left that RB in there, and that is kind of the, the chassis name, the team name. But we had a bunch of conversations about this, and we were like, well, you know, whatever we're calling it, people are going to hate it. I think, and 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 the, the interesting thing is as well, I think people at Visa and Cash App are pretty upset about that as well because I think they've come in mm. one of the biggest deals in Formula One right now in terms of um that kind of partnership so for everyone especially for the the main broadcaster and the broadcaster that we use at espn for the for the the us feed are just saying rb all the time i think that's pissed them off honestly i think people you know are a bit upset about that but the, another reason with alfa romeo that i think fans have found it easy to stomach is alfa romeo is a car brand they didn't make right. the car true but i think in terms of fans stomaching it yeah I think right, I think right. it's just easier. To t- Did Benetton make the fucking car, Nate? No, <laughs> they didn't make the car. No. no, they didn't. That's true. Actually, the Benetton one, I that that's a good comparison. I need to go and look at that one because that was that became that was Renault, and then it became who did it become after that? It went back to being Renault again, didn't it? So I need to look at that because that's an interesting. But no comparison. one called. Everyone called them Benetton. And even though, but yeah. Benetton was this European company, and it was this like, there's just I, yeah. we just because two American American companies, yeah, yes, yeah. I think that's what it is. That like Alfa Romeo is fine, even though it's because it's it, it's just like it, it seems like it's just easy to it's like you just dangle a little, you know, look, it has an Italian name, and people are like, great, Alfa Tauri, we love Alfa Alfa Tauri. It's a clothing. Brand. A clothing Alf- brand was fine as, lo- Alf- as long Tauri. as yeah. Ooh, isn't that sexy? Isn't that cool? Isn't aren't I classy by liking the Alpha Tauri team? And steak <laughs> is just fucking one syllable and the visa cash app is just too much to f- stomach. Yeah. And it's just like yes. get over your little tummy ache and call the places by the by the steak's a cool name. V carbs look fun. V carb, easy to say. Yeah, the weird thing with steak that really threw me on day one. If you the the the, the um the timing screen that's on the left during the broadcast yeah. obviously has the logo. The yeah. weird thing with that whole situation with steak is that the steak logo is a giant green K for for yeah. K. <laughs> yeah. So it's like 
that's tough so in that sense that's such a mess like i i remember <laughs> when they announced that and i was like I, we, we literally we were emailing like you know at espn we we're like what on earth are we calling this team this year like i don't even know what we're calling them and like there was a press release came out being like we are now kick and it was like okay cool and then everyone was like no no it says lower down the email they'll actually be called steak and we're like okay what well, that's that's weird because the email and then the email got like kind of you know another one came out clarifying it and stuff like that so the issue with Alpha, you use the Alpha Tauri um, example. They were never Alpha Tauri Red Bull or Alpha Tauri RB. Whereas when Redbull registered the second company for this season, they called it Visa Cash App uh, RB. The chassis is called RB. The, the, that interestingly, what we found out the week uh, the, this week is that the again the legal name, so like the the name they've registered under, is actually Racing Bulls in Italy. So that is used as like a very very formal official name. But they left the RBs in there. If they, I honestly, I said this to some of the team. I was like, if you guys had just said this team is now called Visa Cash App, and then you'd said the chassis is called the Visa Cash App One, the, the every part of it is called Visa Cash App. People are like, well, there's nothing else to call it. We have to call it that. <laughs> so they, they they left the RB in there, and I think that it's just given everyone to be like, all right, well, that's the team name, and it is officially on the on the entry list as that. So that's what we followed. But isn't but 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 wait a minute. <laughs> Never mind. I'm just so no, no, no. I like, I like this. But, but like Mercedes, Mercedes has a uh, well, and they just called Mercedes. But Mercedes has a number of different names, and yeah, whatever. It's not like you're called Patronus gets left out all the time, and all those other names mm-hmm. get left out all the time. So it's not really a consistent argument. That's what I mean about Alfa Romeo because they were never they bought the entire like th- their deals. Salba said, "Yeah, we'll just get rid of Salba for whatever it was four seasons." Um, whereas Kick and Stake have kind of come in and Sauber are like, oh, right, we'll put the team name back in because they're going to be, Sal- you know, it's going to be Audi. Sauber's going to be involved yeah. in that in some way. So I completely agree with you. And it's such a mess. And my big thing with this was that I'm really amazed that Formula One didn't clarify this, uh, you know, ahead of time. Uh, yeah. We just find it to be like, it's 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 fucking smoke and mirrors and people are like fine with one it's just that that there i think that people just don't like the vibe of how Mm. kind of front-facing and cash grab is maybe and cash grabby it feels because like alfa romeo was a cash grab but it didn't feel like one because it's Alfa Romeo. But then Alfa Romeo, the car company, is taking credit for a car that they didn't fucking build with any Alfa Romeo resources. They just threw a fucking yeah. label on it, and then Sauber did the rest. So, like, but that that digested well with you know the Formula One fandom, whereas like Stake and Visa Cash App don't because they're just like names that they don't like. So it, it, mm. there's just something that feels kind of yeah like fucking hypocritical about like not understanding what this thing like has always been and you're just choosing now to like see what you've been eating you've been eating this shit for your entire life being a formula one fan yeah. and now you're like looking down at what you're eating and be like i don't like that it's green and it's like all right well shut the fuck up because it's been green the whole time they just put food coloring <laughs> on it so just shut your fucking yeah. mouth that's how we feel so yesterday went down to vcarb rb yeah He's yeah. cash out, whatever we, whatever we want to call them, um, and spoke to Peter Bayer, who's the new CEO there. And actually, right. mm-hmm. the the questions that were being because we, we we asked him ad nauseum about the name. We were like, you know, could you guys have avoided some of the confusion, etc. And he like they totally get that like there could have been better ways of of signaling it. <laughs> but I think the thing that will be interesting is for them. I think that the the biggest thing will be Red Bull 
everyone knows what Red Bull's kind of heritage is when it comes to participating in sports. They've got that kind of that cool vibe to racing, extreme sports, whatever it is. That took them years to cultivate. Right. Visa and Cash App currently don't have that. And I think that as soon as as soon as they're able to kind of imprint what that means to the team in terms of i think they're going to they're going to try and lean a lot more into kind of like uh, i'm sure you guys saw videos of their launch like it was glitzy it was big it was american it was i think it's going to be a lot more of that this year and i think that the more people see of that the easier it's going to be for people to digest it and and also i've got to say i think they've got the two best drivers for kind of for doing that because ricardo ricardo and sonoda i thought it was going to be like haha isn't the name really silly but both of them have been like no like this is this is this is v carb like this is visa and cash app right we're going to go forward with those guys so i actually think by the end of the year the v carb thing may have caught on it might not have caught on on sky or or on espn but right right ultimately like if, if 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 fans are calling it that, then then ultimately, then that's what it will be known as. I think so. They're also going to need to figure out what to call them because it seems like I mean, like I don't know what's the. It seems like they're going to be fucking good. Like, are we going to get a Yuki Sonoda or a Daniel Ricardo podium this year? Because I'm, you know, we're bullish on that. That's going to happen this year. They look like so. I mentioned that chasing pack of those four teams. Yeah, RB look like they're. Well, sorry, V. I'll call them V Carb for the rest of the pod. I'm just used to it from our yeah. from all of our programming yeah, yeah. this V-carb, year. V-carb. Um, I think VCarb are right behind that. I think there might be a bit of a gap between, you know, that top, obviously Red Bull, that next four, and then RB. But in that chasing pack, I think RB are right there. And honestly, the the better they get, the more Zach Brown is going to talk about <laughs> that partnership. So that's just going to run and run and run. Um, but that is that is you know moving away from the the name itself. Yeah. That's why that partnership is so big because finally um, the team has this. It feels like it's got. It's. It might not. This is what I said to somebody recently, and I think this is actually what the team should lean into for now. It might not have a clear identity right now because it's this new amalgamation of names, and no one's sure to call it. But it has a purpose that it may not have had in previous years. Previously, it was. It was the junior team. It was like, all right, well, all the drivers right. there, they'll just end up at Red Bull, or they'll just be shunted out by Marco, and we'll never see them again. They've at least now got a purpose, and if the identity can come pretty quickly with that that i think they'll be pretty good but i think that yeah they've brought in laura mackies who's great um and they've got two good drivers they're moving bits of the operation around you know obviously around what red bull are doing so i think they're going to be like this yeah if, the, if you're doing surprise package given where they were last year and where they will be this year uh podiums might be over the top i'd love to see sonoda on the podium i don't know what the the f1 twitter sphere would do when that, when that happens i feel like i feel like people just lose their minds but um and he had a great season last year. I don't know if you guys feel like I feel like Yuki's season last year was like one of the most underrated seasons we've ever seen because there was so much happening in the car next yeah. to him with his teammates. Yeah. All right. the focus was on DeVries, Ricardo, Lawson. But Yuki, right. Yuki nailed it all year. So I think they're in a really good spot. And I think they'll be that yeah, they'll, they'll hopefully they'll be and again that that comes back to what I said about the identity. As soon as they get some big results, it's like we we kind of get what this team stands for. And right. You know, once that happens, it's a bit, but it is a bit like yeah. the Vegas thing. I think once, once people get past, once people can actually see the car on track, see it racing, they're used to the idea of what it's called and what, you know, what the drivers wear and how they refer to it. It will, it will catch on. I think it's just been because it's happened in the off season. It's people just haven't really had a chance to let it percolate properly. You you mentioned Zach Brown was um, ca- having some feels about this V car. He, he seems to have a special place in his heart for the um, Red Bull junior team. And he yes. seems to be... Uh, ever since Christian Horner didn't really need to nip at ankles, it seems like 
Zach Brown is the new ankle, the, the new rabble rouser, the new, hey, yeah. have we taken a look at this guy? What, what's, what's this going on? Do you think... Do you think he speaks for everybody or this is just like he's taking this on because he seems to be the guy that like he seems to have a bone to pick with a team that's below him yeah. uh, and 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 also a team that's so far above him. I, I, you know, it's not like he's Toto Wolf who's like who's constantly cra- clashing with Red Bull here. I, I'm trying to understand like wh- where he thinks he fits in all this or maybe he's speaking for everybody. Can you, I don't know if you could shed some light on that. Well, first of all, on the Zach Brown topic, I've got to say the in, the bombshell that you guys had about his appearance on uh, was it Wheel of Fortune? Was some yeah. of them, I was I was amazed by that, and and you guys laughed yeah. at the moment, the same moment I did, where he's like, I like maths, history, science, and it's literally like you're listening to Zach Brown. I was amazed. So uh, yeah. um, hats off to you. I hadn't I hadn't seen that at all. I thought it was awesome. Um, yeah, Brown Brown's like that. Honestly, he if you remember when Red Bull. Um, were being investigated for the cost cap in 22 yes, brown wrote that wrote open letter, letter. Yeah. and and I, I mean the most awkward press conference i've ever been in was when <laughs> three days later zach brown sat next to christian horner and i was like i was like i've watched the uk office a bunch of times nothing was as awkward as that that like that moment <laughs> it was worse than anything that we saw but i think brown brown it, he does that you know he he he's a guy who's like i'm gonna beat the table with my fist until something happens and I, I don't fully get where it's come from because I, I'm surprised Toto and Fred haven't jumped in as well. You know, you'd think that Ferrari right. and Mercedes would say, well, yeah, we also don't have a second team. Like this is, da- you know, this is dangerous for us. Um, and I think to be honest with you, I think it speaks to the fact that Brown is probably worried about the fact that RB could join that, right. that chasing pack more than what it could do for Red Bull. That's just my take on it. Um, and mm. I think that, you know, Red Bull feel very confident that everything's within the rules. But I think that the idea, the idea of being beaten by a, a, a quote unquote second team, is a difficult one to stomach. Um, I think that we're going to hear more. The thing is, we're going to hear more and more about it. And if if RB keep performing well, then I think it gives Brown ammo to go to the FIA and be like, well, "We've got to look at this because look, out of nowhere, they're suddenly up here with us now." And right. it's not a leap to suggest that if that team's doing well and they've got their own budget cap, etc., it might be translating well to Red Bull. Rebel can turn around and say, well, we own two teams. We pay for two teams. Like we run two, so we can do what we want with those two teams. If you're if you're McLaren, you could turn around and say, Yeah, okay, well, it's difficult to it's difficult to buy a team right now. It's not like it's a model that anyone else can replicate, if that makes sense. Even though they're still blocking Andretti coming in. So it's still, you know, it's all a weird it's all a weird situation. But I think like yeah, you, like you know what I mean. It's kind of I can kind of I, I can see both sides of it very, very clearly. Um, but the mm. key part in the middle is the you know the FIA somebody said the other day I forget who it was like nothing in Formula One just happens overnight and the FIA go what well, some things may do with the FIA but most things like when it comes to like team personnel or cars being built the FIA is being kept in the pro- in the loop the entire time they're they're asking for clarification they're like hey we're moving this guy here if we move this building here like you know where does that money sit in the budget cap where does you know if we pay this guy this way does that impact you know are you guys going to think that we're so I don't think that Red Bull, especially given everything that Red Bull has gone through with the FIA and with the budget cap, is going to have like intentionally done something outside the regulations. It might well be right on the line of the regulations in terms right. of, you know, the wording of it says this. So we're going to do this to the letter and we're going to say that we're literally doing it. You know, we're, we're moving exactly the amount of people over to us that we need to. Um, but yeah, I think that Brown's biggest concern right now will be that team joining that pack and it becomes hard to sponsors then doesn't it if you're if you're trying to get sponsors like well hang on aren't you being beaten every week by 
a backup team. You know, that becomes commercially, that becomes a difficult thing to to sell. So I'm not, I, yeah, I don't want to say that's exactly what Zach Brown's thinking, but I think that's kind of probably, you know, the uh, the ballpark it's in. Can you give us a couple of bold predictions? Do you have any, what, what what are people sleeping on this year then? What are you, what are you thinking? So I love bold predictions at the start of the year because I, I've, I'm I'm trying to think of previous years, but I've always got them like slightly wrong. So like last year I was like, I think Perez is going to win like six races. He wins two in the first four races. I'm like, I'm a genius. He's going to do it. And he doesn't win another one. Um, I think, so I'm really fascinated by the, the actual dynamic at McLaren this year. Norris, it feels like he needs to get that first win. I'm actually going to predict that Piastri, if there's a chance for McLaren to win, I've just got a feeling it goes to Piastri. I'm not saying he's the better driver right now mm. out of the two, mm. but I just feel like given where Lando is and Lando, like he, the pressure of that win is getting to him. You, like you can tell it is. He gets asked yeah. about it all the time. Piastri kind of has that great, that he's in that great part of his career where he really has nothing to be kind of yeah. to be worried about. Like, you know, yeah. he's new. It's that whole thing. You you don't know what you don't know, et cetera. Like he, he hasn't had a victory like Lando has almost had kind of snatched away from him like Sochi there's been a couple of other occasions Lando felt like he could have been in the mix and I just think at some point one of those teams is going to have a chance to beat Max and to beat Red Bull hopefully it's a few times and I don't know I just there were moments in the season last year where Oscar was like right in the right place like the sprint race in Qatar like everything came together for McLaren Lando just got, yeah. got a few things wrong didn't qualify well Oscar nailed it and yeah. I don't know I just I, I think Oscar's such a such a cool and special talent It'd be great to see. I'd love to see Lando get that win. So that is, and that's quite bold. I feel like because it's it's um, you know, second year guy. You know, he was outperformed by Lando last year. Lando's clearly the better of the two right now. But that would be mine. Do you guys? Do you guys have any any in particular at this point? I mean, we had some that were like we did a while ago. But I'm gonna make one right now. <laughs> Max Verstappen wins 24 races this year. That's my prediction. Right. <laughs> nice. <now. laughs> nice. <laughs> Is that even bold? Is yeah. that even bold at that point? Is that even a bold prediction? Depressing. I, I, it's depressing. I'm like, he's, it's going to be a perfect season. It's going to be a perfect season. It, this last year, I, I remember when, I think it was George Russell said, this time last year, like I think it was Friday practice or something, he was like, Bull are going to win all the races. And everyone was like, pff, pff. no, they're not. And then about halfway through the year, we're like, "Holy shit!" Like he, he's right; they are going to win every race. And since that happened, and since we saw the Singapore race, where actually, if if a few things, if 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 Red Bull kind of should have been in the mix to win that, they just kind of got qualifying wrong. They were yeah. kind of coming through the order at the end of the race. If you guys remember that race, so I feel yeah. like it's a, mm. it's a tantalizing possibility for them. Max is so good, and out in front, like you can turn everything down, you can just you know coast to victory. Max is so good anyway that if he qualifies out of position, he's usually first again down the road. So, yeah, I could buy that one for sure. Matt, what are you thinking? Yeah, you heard it here. ESPN saying Carlos Sainz was lucky. That's the official line. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's gonna be all over the site tomorrow isn't it just that yeah 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 yes <laughs> yes so it's exactly what you said any bold prediction matt after <laughs> after after this episode after hearing what we've heard Oof. yeah i think i mean i got i gotta predict i'm gonna predict the same thing i predict every year pinky um <laughs> as uh alonzo victory there we go he should have had it in Monaco last year. He should have won had that it race. in Monaco. He should have. Yeah. Yeah. And and honestly, the more you think about that 
that weekend, it was perfect. Like for him to have won then, it was stars aligned. And the fact he didn't do it, like, yeah, it was, it was tough. Yeah. It was rough. Um, Well, Nate, thank you so much for coming on. Third time is a charm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, we, uh, as you know, we start the pod with Vasap Vankas in honor of the man who is no longer in the paddock. Can you give us a goodbye, Vankas? I can't. Are you going to change that? Or are you keeping it? Are you keeping it in never, as the as the staple? Never changing. We're, we're keeping it in. That, okay. that, does does the does the did the Constitution of the United States change when George Washington wasn't the president anymore? No. Okay. So <laughs> this is what you know. Uh, you got to bring up. You got to bring up the Constitution to a Brit. Come on, man. That's still painful. That's what. That's what we're about. Goodbye, bankers. Yeah. How's that? Goodbye, guys. Uh, English trying to it as well. So, <laughs> that what was more great. Can you want? That was fantastic.